folks, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about movies, video games, things of that nature. I'm your co-host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michaela Jones, Greetings Gamer, Filmer, I see you. Greetings Gamer, Filmer, I see you. What, what other, like, definitions can we add to that list? Comic book reader? Uh, that's right, uh, comic, uh, comics enjoyer. Action figure collector? Uh, I'm not, we're not really figure people. Okay, yeah. Thankfully, I I would be too into it. Like I it's it's a blessing I'm not into action figures. Yeah, I I kind of feel grateful that there's not a whole lot that I feel compelled to collect. Uh, yeah. But uh like it it's it could be a fun hobby, I imagine. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I would also get way into it. Yeah. Way, I feel like, too, I think too into it. The the most a- uh, accurate way to just succinctly sum up what we are, good taste havers. Havers of good taste. Whoa. Crazy, right? I've done it again. I finally feel validated. That's right. I see you. I see you. That's what it means. <laughs> oh, you got to watch Avatar. All right. Today, we're talking about two things. Godzilla Minus One and Marvel Spider-Man 2. Caleb Grind, the third surprise mechanic himself, will be joining us in the back half of the episode of Talk Spider-Man. But for the lizard talk, it's just you and me, baby. All right. And our 12 to 15 listeners, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. That's pretty good. It's not a bad pool. Yeah, the room keeps getting bigger, and I can't I can't see the door anymore. This new Godzilla movie. Where do we even start? It's in theaters know. right now. They've extended. It's a Japanese movie. It's doing pretty well here in the States, which is good. And they've extended the theatrical run, so it very well may still be playing when you listen to this. And uh, go see it. Spoiler warning. Go see it. Spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah. We'll do some light spoilers, but um, really, don't get this thing spoiled for you. Just go see it. It's uh, it's worth I, it. I, I don't really have a bad thing to say. Roman, do you recommend Godzilla minus one? Hell yeah, I do. Michaela, do you recommend Godzilla minus one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay. Reverse so mechanics. <laughs> let's start with this. I we're both Godzilla enjoyers. There's a lot of people who maybe their only exposure to Godzilla is American Godzilla movies. And I kind of put American Godzilla movies and Japanese Godzilla movies into two different categories. Uh, American Godzilla movies, kind of all, all I really ask for in a good American Godzilla story is it's got to be pretty fun and ideally like a loving tribute to Godzilla. Uh, that's not to say Japanese Godzilla movies can't be goofy, and they are. They get Japanese Godzilla movies can be really goofy and really fun and really silly, but it seems like Japanese Godzilla movies just tend to have more to say. There's like usually a point to the movie, uh, and that dates all the way back to Godzilla's origins when he was an allegory for the nuclear bomb. Uh, that dual meaning gets completely stripped out of any American Godzilla movie because you would. It would require Western audiences to perhaps admit, if nothing else, the nuclear bomb was controversial. Uh, and it would like the, the US government would not let the production use their tanks and stuff. So I get it. I, I don't like it. Like, it's fine. I understand. I really liked Godzilla King of the Monsters. I thought that was a lot of fun. I've liked, I like Skull Island a lot. I like Godzilla versus Kong. I'm looking forward to Godzilla X Kong. But. They're not Shin Godzilla or Godzilla minus one. Is it? That yeah, make sense? I, I, I see what you're saying there. And I, I tend to agree. I think that the American Godzilla films 
sometimes are very serviceable and like competent films. They elicit a fun time and are enjoyable to watch. But there's just something about those Toho Godzilla movies that are untouchable. And they're in a class of their own, truly. Um, and then above all of that, all the rest of that is, uh, you know, late 90s Zilla with Matthew Broderick. Yep. Which Toho bought just to kill that monster in like seven seconds in the end of, I forget what era of Godzilla movie that was, but they literally bought Zilla, killed him, and they had a character go, yeah, that's not the real Godzilla. They called him that in America, but it's not Godzilla, Okay. Absolutely deserved. Oh, hell yeah, body. That's that awesome. sucks. <laughs> it's pretty bad. And so, part of uh, uh, what makes Godzilla Minus One such a treat is it has the one thing that I do think people tend to agree uh, the last several Western Godzilla movies have lacked, which is interesting characters. That's a thing people, most of us can agree that like, okay, you know, we might like well, I don't want to be too dismissive, because I do genuinely love some of the legendary Godzilla movies, but no human character in Godzilla versus Kong was written quite as well as Shikishiba in Godzilla Minus One. So the the the, the premise of Godzilla Minus One is it is it takes place in immediate post-war Japan. So Japan is at its its weakest. It's been firebombed to hell. It's been nuked. Uh, they have no military to speak of. And our main character, Shikishima, is a kamikaze pilot who understandably got cold feet, let's say, didn't quite buy into the mission, and returns to this very week in Japan, is viewed as a pariah, and then, of course, Godzilla happens. Goes from bad to worse, folks. Yeah, and I think the thing here that I found most interesting is that this particular character could be in any other movie as well. Like, just a, a movie about a kamikaze pilot that got cold feet and is living post-war. Um, they don't really shy away from the kind of like social rejection that kind of person would go through. Right. Um, and, and the kind of, like personal traumas that they might experience having pretty much run away from what was told to them as their sworn duty. Um, it's, it's an interesting concept, an arc for a character to go through and you could put that against almost any other backdrop, but here we yeah. are Godzilla. And same with like, truly like this, this on its own, even without Godzilla is just kind of an interesting drama about post-war Japan in a sort of, exploration of the government's shortcomings in terms of helping the people in that time the our, our female lead is uh the character's name is Noriko her whole arc in this movie is she meets Shikishima in in the rubble of their their hometown she has a girl with her that we soon learn is not even her daughter just someone she picked up and she lives with Shikishima for a few years until in a way, kind of being forced out by him because he is just so cold and standoffish because he has terrible PTSD from World War II and all. Uh, and he kind of just pushes her away. And it's this really, it's a quiet plot line. There's no huge explosive fighting. Uh, 
but it, it's it's compelling and it's interesting and it's just good human drama like you're saying could be in a, any other movie godzilla just also happens to be here <laughs> yeah and it, it 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 works really well together um i i think that um they they came up with some really fascinating characters and the way that they interact with one another and then in the background you just see godzilla getting a little closer every minute that goes by <laughs> yeah and let's let's finally let's talk about the godzilla in the room so i was very pleasantly surprised to see you see godzilla in like the first 10 minutes yeah and he's smaller more like a dinosaur sized as opposed to like a kaiju as you may imagine uh, but I really liked how aggressive Godzilla was in this movie. He was such a little asshole, and I love that for him. No punches. No, and, and yeah. one of the things that surprised me was that in that opening sequence, they refer to this creature as Godzilla. Like it's it's a thing that they've already known, and uh, it, it's it's just already traveling across. Uh, yeah, it's it's already he's a, it's he's already a Japanese a thing. Yeah, it's it's the Mothman. It's the Jersey Devil. Like, oh, we got Godzilla. He sucks. So now, now you got this guy <laughs> talking about like, I saw Godzilla. And everyone's like, what? I don't remember. I don't think Godzilla does an atomic breath in that sequence, does he? No, I don't think Godzilla does. Uh, Godzilla doesn't do that until much later. Yeah, I think we're supposed to maybe think that uh, the the uh, atomic testing they show in the, was that the Bikini Atoll? Yes. Uh, which was like a real atomic test the U.S. did over there after they'd already kind of tested the atomic bombs in a way. It was like the uh, catalyst for Godzilla evolving into a more yes. vicious, much larger beast that, that has also the, is the atomic, atomic now. Yeah, abilities. And, and it's just not only in American Godzilla movies. Some of the Japanese Godzilla movies have done this as well, but it feels like this is... The American movies have done this much more recently and to a much stronger degree where, like, Godzilla is kind of an anti-hero. You know, Godzilla is who you root for because the other person Godzilla is fighting is so much worse. Japanese Godzilla movies don't feel like they have to do that. It's okay for him to be a little uh, a terror. He's a little dickhead. Uh, In this movie especially, Shin Godzilla does something similar. It's my favorite sort of interpretation of Godzilla where it's just – Godzilla is just an animal. Just Godzilla existing is destruction to us because – Godzilla just comes on shore and walks, and humans shoot him down, and you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, I get it. What else are you going to do? That pisses off Godzilla. Then you get angry Godzilla, and this is the cycle. Yeah. And so I think this movie did an incredible job. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This movie did an incredible job of showing that, but then Godzilla gets so, so scary and legitimately terrifying, and the scene all comes to a climax when I made a comment to you, Michaela, that I I thought it was interesting they didn't show the atomic bombs getting dropped on Japan at the beginning of the movie. But then I thought, yeah, it's you know, it's a Japanese production, perhaps that's a little more culturally sensitive. Well, and there, I think there could that you be a don't lot of reasons. Have to either. No, like- and they didn't either, but I see why they did it now, because when they do the atomic scene, uh it- it's practically that. It's it is it's that. Mushroom and cloud so, and all. Yes, Japan essentially gets nuked a third time, and so I'm like, oh, that's why they were saving it, and that is very clever. By the way, when I when I blanked out there for just a moment, <laughs> it's because I was while you were talking about Godzilla like coming up on shore and stomping around, I I was uh, thinking about the Blue Oyster Cult hit Godzilla. Yeah, and, well, yeah, as always. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just like, you know, oh, no, there goes Tokyo. Go, go, Godzilla. I, I think the movie does, like, 
go through a lot of those um, themes really well. And it brings uh, that like post-war Japan. That is a really interesting era for this movie to be set in because, I mean, it, it's right off the heels of World War II, of the atomic bombs first uses. And uh, like immediately we've got Godzilla and what has already been a horrific tragedy could become uh, tenfold that uh, in, in, a, in a couple days, if nothing's done about it. So uh, the urgency behind this movie feels really legit. All the characters investment and in stopping Zilla feels really uh, true and genuine. And um, it's very easy to root for these characters. Like the entire time I felt like I was absolutely wanting the cast to accomplish their goals and like get to that like uh, happily ever after post Godzilla um and it it all just comes together making a really fabulous action uh drama film that um is moving at times and other times like it's it's really adrenaline pumping and you're just really excited to see um everybody succeed coming together to protect each other this movie it's it's I think it's about 2 hours long I do remember just out of curiosity checking the time after the atomic breath scene. And that scene happens about halfway into the movie, maybe a little over halfway, but I, nonetheless, I was like, Oh man, we still have like an hour left of this. I feel like that second hour flew by just absolutely. Like I was so on board. The pacing was so good. And even though like the big bombastic scene has happened, everything that came after was so interesting to me. Yeah. I think the pacing was very strong. And um, this movie didn't necessarily like there are moments where it drops down. It gets a little dramatic. It gets a little like slower for the pace uh, to match our characters uh, like working together or figuring out what the hell they're doing type of uh, drama and um, intrigue. But then it doesn't feel like it drags. I know we've talked about Shin Godzilla before and you say a third act is a little slow to start. And it seems like in your opinion, Godzilla minus one alleviates that. Yeah, I didn't feel it at all. Um, and I think that was also because I was so on board with what they were doing thematically in the back half, which is essentially the government isn't getting any help with Godzilla. So the citizens have to do it themselves. It's just an army of volunteers. I said to you, Michaela, this is a, the new top entry in Dude's Rock Cinema. It's just another like ragtag group of guys. Going it's rock against the big lizard. <laughs> That's right. It's awesome. On a, a real though, I especially loved. There's every character in this movie is good. I'm, I'm seriously like there's so many great characters. I know we only gave a shout out to two, but that's just for the sake of timing. There's this character Doc, who he gives this great speech the night before they're about to enact the plan to beat Godzilla, which is very clever and very cool. And he tells the men, you should go home and be with your families. And the one, one of the guys says something like, you mean we should be ready, you know, just in case we die. And Doc says, no, this country has cared too little for human life. We made planes without ejector seats. We had tanks without armor. And, you know, we just kind of let people fend for themselves after the war. We're not doing that anymore. That's not how we're doing things. 
I would be happy if we walk out of this planet and we don't lose a single person. It's time we start valuing human life. And I'm just like, hell yeah, doc. That's what's up, man. That's what I'm talking about. And that's immediately followed by an incredible scene with a character telling another character who just so desperately is seeking valor and wants to be part of this, wants to be a soldier, that to have never lived through war is something to be proud of. But you could never get that in an American movie, I think. No. You could never get that that line of dialogue in an action blockbuster or any American movie, in my opinion, because of the military-industrial complex. And for that take to be made in this movie, I think was like, that was like a tearjerker moment. Yes. Because he's, he's totally right. It is like a thing to be proud of that you've never had to like fight in a war like that. You, don't, you haven't had to like give up your life for that. And them to make a like an idealistic but noble goal of preserving life despite the conflict before them is incredibly admirable. And the fact that they pull it off is even more amazing. Yep. And it's a really, really incredible climactic confrontation with Godzilla. It is so, so cool. Um, I love this movie. I really did. I loved it. I'm telling everyone to see it. Even people who I know aren't typically into this kind of movie. This is a great movie to watch with your parents straight up. Yes, there's subtitles, but guess what? It's a World War II period piece. Your dad's going to love it. (laughs) True. That's like an easy, uh, easy way to lure them in with, uh, like, hey, you want to watch a World War II movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, watch the dub if you have to. Do what you got to do. I don't, you know, I don't fault people who who is prefer there dub. a dub. Is there a dub? Ah, there will be on home release, but you don't like physical mm. media. Meh. Oh yeah. Um, ooh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ooing <laughs> physical media? <laughs> um, so, there is a thing that I do want to talk about on this movie very briefly, which I think is kind of fascinating. We, we, we noticed this during the credits. The person who wrote and directed this movie also was the VFX supervisor. This person put on a lot of hats. Um, and some fun little things about the movie. It was... It's the first movie created by Toho in the Godzilla franchise since Shin Godzilla. I read that that was because they have an agreement with Legendary so that they don't overlap on release years with Godzilla films. And the pandemic gave Godzilla minus one an extra few years to like really fine tune things. I think that it really paid off on top of that. I've read that this movie has a budget of it was like a budget of $15 million, but then I saw something else that the creator said, no, it was actually less than that, but I don't know the exact dollar amount. So I, I imagine you could speculate it was like a $15 million or less budget for this movie, which is staggeringly good wow. for the kind yeah. of end product we got. I, I think if you can make this movie on a budget like that, then there's a good chance that all of the hundreds of millions of dollars going into big blockbusters may be a little bit excessive. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sure there's a little bit of like crunch, especially with the VFX team. Um, but uh, I, I would love to see, I, I think like that, that phrase for video games or like, I want shorter video games that cost less to make with 
like like more tight teams that get paid more money um also kind of applies to movies in a sense like i don't want people to have to suffer through crunch just to make a piece of art and uh i don't think that you have to dump all of the fortunes in the world into making a movie and expecting it to be best or better than any other um but uh there's like a genuine spot for movies that are like a little lower budget a little bit smaller teams a little bit more closer to the heart for uh the people working on them potentially and uh maybe maybe cinema can get back to something like that you know yeah a little few more passion projects than big su- su- superhero movies yeah with my well, thanos <laughs> i have uh, two thoughts on that one i was trying to look it up but i'm not i was i was curious about like what the unionization is like in the japanese film industry because i thought i heard somewhere it's like not as unionized as here and that is part of the reason maybe sadly the costs are lower and people try to use that as like an argument against unionization but unionization is obviously not the problem when it comes to these budgets and these hollywood these this bloat um and the second was actually it's funny you mentioned marvel because there's been all this stuff coming out someday we will do another mcu episode because just by the nature of the mcu's thing how it keeps changing it's like so different and it it is it certainly feels like it's a little less relevant right now than it was you know even a couple years ago but this News has been trickling out that Marvel is considering, like for Blade, for example, they want to make Blade on a smaller budget, make it more character driven and actually narrow their scope. But their narrow scope is still like a hundred million dollars. And that's just crazy to think how much they're spending on these movies when it's like, let's do like smaller budget, only a hundred million. <laughs> but the thing there is, uh, so are they making a different movie? What do you mean? Well, well, I think a big thing with MCU is how how all these movies are also feel oh, incredibly yeah, similar. Yes, so it's a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a joke at like, okay, so they're making a different movie by going yeah, like smaller right. budget and more character driven here or there, or doing like a different thing. Yeah, um, and like that would be cool. That would I definitely like reinvigorate interest in Marvel, whatever. I imagine, right? Because um, it 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 feels like I'm seeing more and more like being burnt out with marvel stuff i saw an article that was just flat out headlined should we kill the mcu (laughs) i was like yeah please well and it's funny we're talking about marvel because when they were when they announced godzilla minus one toho said we're not going to do a sequel to shin godzilla we're going to do a new reboot of godzilla and we're going to do uh, a shared universe and they even said similar to the marvel cinematic universe and it's very interesting to me that godzilla can't even use itself as a touchstone because godzilla is the og cinematic universe godzilla was doing a cinematic universe in like the 50s <laughs> or whatever uh and so but it does go to show the marvel juggernaut it has become it is a worldwide phenomenon this idea of serialized television and uh uh now that being said I hope we get a Godzilla minus one, two, or whatever, you know, whatever the sequel to this is called. Uh, even without, there is like a slight cliffhanger type tease at the end. Even without that, I would just be on board with another movie, you know, uh, uh, especially Godzilla if it's direct. Cold War. That's right. Oh, oh, yeah, baby. 
That sounds awesome for real, though. Yeah. You see that? That's that's Doctor, an idea, it's, folks. It, it's pretty much just Dr. Strange lover, how I so- learned to stop worrying and, and love the bomb. Love the atomic bomb, yeah. It's, well, it's Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> a big part of this, like this movie kind of does it, uh, as you may have just assumed based on what we already told you, doesn't shy away from geopolitics. And there's this big thread throughout where America won't help with Godzilla because they don't want to like kick the hornet's nest that is the Soviet Union. And they don't want them to see like increased... American military presence on this side of the world, even though you say you're helping Japan, what are you really doing? Kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, Godzilla Cold War would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting just to see them do sort of these touchstones of the Godzilla canon, like King Ghidorah and stuff, keeping the geopolitics in mind. Like, okay, well, what does the world do when an alien? It's for sure an alien, King Ghidorah, and. Are they still just like, well, we can't stop the alien because we don't want to mess with Black, X, Y, and Z? And the answer is yes, of course they would. That's like, we, the world is run by Cravens. But I want to see that in a movie. I want to see it called out. Right. It would be fascinating, I think. And uh, it, it seems like, it, it kind of feels like Toho is behind like making some cool Godzilla movies. Like, Despite the fact that we didn't get a sequel to Shin Godzilla, I, I feel like that's an immensely cool movie on its own. And, like, having mm-hmm, watched totally. Shin Godzilla, like, you can kind of already start to piece together how a sequel would go. So, like, to some extent, you could probably get by without one, albeit it would be very cool to have Shin Godzilla too. Oh, um, right. I'm, I'm, I'd be down with Cold War Godzilla if that were a sequel to Minus One, make it Minus Two or whatever. Um, that would be fantastic. So, fully on board with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, in, in summation, watch Godzilla Minus One. If you aren't able to get to the theaters to see it, uh, I would also recommend there is an animated Godzilla trilogy on Netflix, produced by Toho. Also pretty good. Uh, pretty high concept Godzilla. It's definitely a take on Godzilla that uh, has not been done before. So uh, High concept, you say? Is this I Godzilla do. stoned? Uh, yeah, it made a stone, sister. He's a freaking planet. Oh, that's shit. kind of not that's kind of actually not bullshit that is <laughs> incredibly first, high concept did, did you ever see um the movie the 90s it came out in the 90s or maybe early 2000s uh titan ae animated movie a long time ago i barely remember it but I, I the only thing i remember from that movie is that they call the new planet they find bob i don't remember that <laughs> i think it, maybe i think it was that movie maybe it was a different well movie. you remember how like the pre- the premise is these humans have to flee earth because they get like invaded and the only way they're going to live is in the stars and they can't live on earth anymore. That is the premise of the first Netflix Godzilla movie. Godzilla has taken is so powerful. It is like essentially on his way to world domination that uh, humans just build a giant arc and flee. And they, uh, but before they fleed, there were two different alien races that visited them and tried to help them beat Godzilla. And they could not, so it's this mix of humans and two different alien species that are on this arc. And then they go back to Earth to try to fight Godzilla. It's good shit, folks. Watch it. Yeah, uh, they they named the new Earth Bob <laughs> at the end of that movie. Hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, well, why don't we take a real quick break? And when we come back, Caleb will be with us to talk Spider-Man 2. And folks, we're back to talk about Marvel's Spider-Man 2. And joining us is Caleb Grine. Hi, Caleb. Uh, 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 
I'm glad I made it. Um, <laughs> I guess that my quarter's supposed to be remote, but like, did you have to have it all the way on the other end of the cyber plane from, from where you record? Yes, don't mention it again. All right. Okay, so we're talking about Spider-Man 2, which is a, I guess maybe not so much a new game anymore. Um, but uh, uh, it came out during Spooky Mechanics, so we didn't have a chance to discuss it. Uh, but nonetheless, there—I guess spoiler. We'll just do a spoiler alert here. If you haven't played Spider-Man, we're probably going to spoil some stuff for you. I gotta go. Um, yeah, yeah. Michaela <laughs> has to dip. She has not played it, and she is furious. It was snubbed at the Game Awards. Gaming's biggest night. It, it had a uh, lot of nominations, though. I, I have, it did. I have no complaints about the Game Awards nomination or winners this year, personally. And and yeah, yeah. I mean, it all seems fun. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm I'm happy, Alan. Wake is so beloved. I can't wait to play it. I was surprised by uh, that. Um, was it yeah. wasn't surprised by anything except how much love Alan Wake got. And yeah. Did you see all of the awards Starfield got? Yeah. <laughs> Starfield won our hearts that did night. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cyberpunk did apparently. My heart, is, my heart is in the game. <laughs> I sold it. I sold my heart as an NFT to Todd Howard. Oh dang. Yeah, my heart's on the blockchain. Where How is much? Todd Howard? I must get my friend's heart back. <laughs> you need the battle pass. <laughs> um, Caleb, we're both spider guys. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's very good you're here, Michaela, because I think if left to our own devices, we would get in the weeds so fast and talk about a bunch of bullshit no one cares about. Except for us, and we would be very into it. Yeah. Um, so that being said, Caleb, do you want to start? I was kind of thinking maybe we could start with like the gameplay stuff mm-hmm. because I think narrative is where we're gonna like have a lot of fun. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Okay. So, gameplay wise, one thing that really stuck out about uh, I guess let's if you don't know, it's open world. Action adventure game. You Spider Man, you web sling, you swing on web, you get the bad yeah, guys, you, swing, you punch you them, you kick them. Yep, it's, a, it's a lot them. like on that other game, uh, 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 Marvel Spider Man. Yes. So if you're familiar with Marvel oh. Spider Man or its there's a, there's sequel, also, there's Marvel Spider Man Miles Morales, that's yeah, the other one. That's, I was thinking of that one too. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say Infamous. You know, if we're talking to the PlayStation okay. fans here, that's that's another honorary Spider-Man. Game. If we're talking to the real gamers, Wait, have you ever heard of prototype? If we're talking, if we're talking yeah, to Xbox that. gamers, it's a lot like. Um, do you remember that Lego Marvel superheroes game? Uh, is it like Marvel Midnight Suns? <laughs> no, and it should. be. Is it like Avengers? Also, no, and it should not be. <laughs> it's uh, uh one of these days we will get the perfect Spider-Man game which is Persona. It's let me choose am I going to am I going to be bad at Spider-Man because I'm a really good Peter Parker or am I going to ruin Peter Parker's life because I keep missing things because I have to go be Spider-Man. So are we in the weeds? We need to we need to attack a dating sim <laughs> on the Spider-Man is what you're saying. A little bit. A little bit and like I need to like not I need to miss coffee dates with MJ because Green Goblin is is doing some shit. Gotcha. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There, there is a history of doing all of these things in Spidey games, but it's all uh, at your leisure and it, it, ne- it never challenges you to do one or the other. 
Except for story yeah. purposes, obviously. But then you don't have a choice. One thing that I very much loved about this game was um, the city itself, New York City, it's almost twice as big. They added two boroughs from the last games. Um, and I don't know if I've ever actually seen a city in a game that felt this lived in. <laughs> there was like actually a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people on the street. Uh, it's like what, I, I, you know, I do think cyberpunk has come a long way. Um, but it feels like what Night City, they like kind of promised with that. Like this feels like a real city. People live here. I was wondering how they'd improve on the map besides adding new locations, which they did. And the solution turned out to be making this game setting itself a character, which, and New York is a character for a lot of Marvel characters, none more than Spidey. And Peter does mention at the beginning that uh, Robbie Robertson always told him, don't show me the city, show me New York. Yeah. And that's what this does. There are so many people doing so many things. This is is the life of the Big Apple. And so many of those Robbie missions are funny because it's like you take photos of different things in the city. And some of them, I mean, it's cool. It's fun. But some of them are so funny because it's like it's like one of them, like a hot dog cart. And he's like, only in New York, baby. <laughs> yeah. So you're it's, telling me, as a person who's <laughs> never been to New York once in my life, that if I want to go to New York, I could just play Spider-Man 2? On a lot of ways, yes. Because, I mean, okay, I've been to New York once and I... Really, I explored Manhattan top to bottom, but I stayed in Queens and um, I went to Astoria Studios, actually. And Queens and Astoria are the new locales in this game. And and I can tell you that those those Robbie missions, those are the things you will see if you if you even just visit New York for a couple days. And you won't see Spider-Man. I've tried. Well, oh, actually, you, you'll you'll see Spider-Man in Times Square. His costume kind of looks like it's seen better days. You know. <laughs> I've seen I saw a lot of Spider-Man in Chicago. Mm. Oddly enough, I have too. Yeah. I, okay, I I like, hey, I've never seen Spider-Man in Chicago. Lost? They should do like Marvel Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Thanos is attacking PNG. Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fact. Bruce Banner is from Dayton. Let's go. Representation. Let's go. (laughs) We're on the map, baby. Gem City. That's why it's called the Gem City. Because the Hulk's from here. Uh, You know what the gem in Gem City is? (laughs) The Hulk's (laughs) cock. Wow, the impulse thoughts took over. I was going to say that the gem in huh? Gem City is the Master Emerald. <laughs> Caleb, I'm so sorry. That's, no, that's actually not the first mention of Hulk Dick that has occurred in my life, uh, which oh, shouldn't be a huge surprise. Anyway, so Spider-Man. Um, I, I, I just think, like, uh, um, truly on a technical level, it's pretty astounding. Uh, this is, like... I feel like I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm too cynical or jaded about games. It's not often I actually get impressed with the graphic fidelity of a game much these days, you know? I tend to be more impressed by art design and things like that. But uh, this game, more than once, I was just like, how, how it working? How you do, how did Insomniac do that? <laughs> I, yeah, someone else pointed out to me, this is proof photorealistic games deserve just as much credit as, as anything for art direction because... For example, this is the coolest and grossest the black suit has ever looked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the attention to detail is, is so meticulous uh, that 
I, I've and and going back to the New York having so much character, it's this okay. For the record, this is a tech demo for the PS5, where everything can load instantly and seamlessly, yeah. and you can even see inside offices and apartments beyond the glare of real time reflections, for that matter. But with all of that in mind, it it is more than a tech demo. It will, um, it'll it'll age well because all that other stuff even bad games will will look like that in just a couple generations but this one will hold up because there is substance and there is color from like every corner store in harlem to every tree leaf in queens your friendly neighborhood spider-man that's so poetic yeah no i agree with that 100 though i think you're exactly right um and in general i do think it's it's just an improvement of of this franchise in almost every way. Character is is really the key word here. And yeah. Not not without even talking about the 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 persons in it, the char- the characters in the traditional sense. Everything everything is so alive. This is a medley of all the best ideas from throughout the over twenty year history of three D Spidey games, and and yet it adds kind of like in a Tears of the Kingdom way. It adds even more. Uh, so some ideas are familiar. Uh, a lot of them are novel concepts too. And so kind of like the Spider-Verse movies, it does honor what this character's brand encompassed before while also facing forward to what Spider-Man can be down the road. And, and I appreciate that respect for the all the past developers who uh, have been well-received for their Spider-Man games, getting uh, recognized and blended with this team's product, which also has its own voice. You can you can do both, and and like I said, the Spider Verse movies are proof of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, combat is is improved upon. The new traversal mechanics feel so good. I really liked the web wings a lot. They're 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 a blast. This is something that I can kind of chime in on because I have seen some playthroughs of the game. I haven't played it myself, but that's due to not having a PlayStation Five. I do have YouTube, though, and um, in watching this game on YouTube, I was wondering, as somebody who has played the original Marvel Spider-Man that came out a few years ago, what would be different? You know, similar setting, it's Spider-Man again, Um, and I was really genuinely shocked. Like, I'm not typically the kind of person to go to look at trailers and teasers leading up to a game's release or even a movie's release. I like to go in blind. But every now and then a creator I like makes a video where they're just playing a game and having a good time. And them having a good time swinging around, the web wings, new traversal mechanics, like, they looked phenomenal. And it really got me to a point where I was like, ah, that looks like it's really fun to just do and just swing around the city. And that alone makes me want to play it. And the the wizards over at Insomniac somehow got ray tracing to work on every performance, like every graphic mode. Uh, which I, I don't know. I don't know how they, they, they it. technically did that uh, in a patch for Miles Morales, and cool. And then and then that was a, that was a big thing in Rift Apart. But this is they they get better and better every time, and they've always been the best one thing i i do actually want to mention before we totally move on i just want to give a shout out to the specific uh uh, category of submission side mission that's the fnsm quests the friendly neighborhood spider-man quests these are all 
little slice of life missions that are totally separate from the main story. It's just whichever Spider-Man of your choosing, because you could play them as Peter or Miles, helping everyday folks in New York City. And as I've said before, you both know this about me, when it comes to comics, I prefer street level. I love street level. So that stuff was super charming to me. And I wanted to mention that because I'm going to talk about those more later. Do everything in this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it, And it, true, it is like from a completionist standpoint, uh, it's pretty easy yeah. like to, to complete, but not like easy in a trivial way, easy in a fun, enjoyable way. I platinumed in under 30 hours. Yeah, and I, yeah, me too. It's it's quality over quantity. Like not, not, not just yes. that every square foot has incredible textures and but uh, and that every city block has character in it there's that word again but they they all they there's a, there's a collectible on every block and all of the side tasks actually have functional rewards with some narr- yeah. narrative purpose and e- even the main quest never really feels like it's veering too much there's there's nothing here that feels like fat absolutely uh when we were both playing this game Caleb we were kind of talking about what would be the sort of, um, like, uh, uh, Spider-Man is a very popular character. He has been in, in basically every single medium of, of art uh, we have currently. And, like, what are sort of the touchstones for each genre? So, for example, we talked about for comics, Chip Zdarsky wrote an excellent graphic novel called Spider-Man Life Story. And the premise of it is... It starts in the 1960s, and every chapter is a new decade where Spider-Man actually ages, and uh, it tells his life story from being bitten by a radioactive spider in the 60s to, you know, being old man Spider-Man in the 2000s. And uh, it's incredible how much they actually managed to work into that book. Like, every major Spider-Man event happens in that graphic novel, it might not happen the exact same way it happened in the comics, of course, but it's all there. And how if some, you know, you could give that book to someone who is totally unfamiliar with Spider-Man and they could read that and go, oh, I get it. I, I'm up to speed with Spider-Man. Or you could you know? give it to someone who has read every Spidey comic and they'll appreciate every single word because of how much it packs all of that in. So yes, either way, and it works, yes. and it's so it's so it's such a good story. It's so cohesive, and how in like TV, for example, the animated spectacular Spider-Man show is does the same thing. And um, we were talking about how this is that in video game form. Um, it is just, you know, it, it's it shouldn't be too surprising because it's just the trajectory you want things to go right. You want art to continue getting better and improving. So this is. Like you said, it, it takes everything mechanically from uh, all the best things, I should say, mechanically from Spider-Man games of the past, puts it in this new skin, still feels like its own thing. And you could, I mean, I, I think you would have to include the franchise as a whole, right? You could give these games to someone who has never been familiar with Spider-Man and they're going to know exactly who this guy is and what his deal is after playing these games. Spot on. So when we talk about the narrative... There's like a central theme of this game that I really liked, and it's that like people kind of are deserving of second chances, and it's and it's made really clear before Miles explicitly states it in the final act of the game, um, and it's it's like why the Spider-Men do what they do, you know, they, they they're trying to help people, um, and and to that point, there's like so many times in this story where they show various members of the Spider-Men's Rogues Gallery, who are working normal jobs. Like, they've they've done their time. Uh, uh, I believe Tombstone is one of them. He is working at Coney Island. 
And it, it, it works on so many levels because one, it just makes the world feel lived in. It's like, yeah, they would just like, that's just a normal guy. And it also make, it shows that the Spider-Men are like really empathetic dudes. Like they, they're like, no, he deserves like his second chance. He deserves to just, you know, live a uh, 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 life with as much respect as anyone else. But it also makes you then feel bad for the folks like Tombstone because the main villain of this game is Craven the Hunter and he's coming to New York to not only hunt Spider-Man, Spider-Men, both of them, but all of these guys. So when 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 Craven goes after Tombstone, you're like, oh, come on, man, he's just like working. Like he's just doing his job, leave him alone. And also, and to that note, uh, this is something, Michaela, you might be interested in. And I'm curious if you notice this, Caleb. It feels like there's like a noticeable lack of police presence in this. And I legitimately can't help but thinking it's a rebuttal to Spider-Cop, which was a joke they made in the first one that aged like immediately poorly. Spider-Man said a cab. As far as like story structure goes, um, I will admit I was like a little anxious to get to the symbiote. Like I was excited for it. How could I not be? But I do feel like the early act of this game, I applaud them for taking their time to get there. <laughs> They they really set the stage pretty thoroughly before they give you that. Yeah. They did that with the first game, too, and I think they managed it a little bit better here because what you what you have in the meantime is just a little more fun than what was in the kind of the low points in the in the first game. I don't know if that's just me, the way I remember it, but I, I really liked any any time... There, there was enough uptime before you got back to the downtime and enough downtime before you got back to the uptime. And anytime you were doing one or the other, it was... As somebody who normally abhors like walking and talking in games, I thought it was all fun to do here because you you weren't just walking and talking. You were always doing something. So so it was kind of kind of keeping you going like with those different tones so that so that you don't really fall asleep or get feel numb to either one <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can you but you but you can because you can but you can enjoy either one while you're doing it yeah and it's worth mentioning by by the time you get to act three like it's popping off <laughs> yeah uh this game goes uh uh places and it, it, it didn't it, a lot of it isn't necessarily like play out how you'd expect is yeah it, it, <laughs> The the trailers kind of played around with it in a in a funny way. I mean, and like you said about se- the second chances bit is, is a lot of is what led to a lot of stuff I didn't expect. Because like I yeah. I um, I thought we would be seeing this would be the lizard origin, but no, he's already been the lizard, and it it doesn't quite make it clear exactly what Craven's doing. He's and already then, lizarding, and then what it shows what he's really doing. Oh. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> and 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 as for uh, we we yeah we know Venom's gonna be in it. You're not gonna not advertise Venom, but yeah, how 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 he becomes Venom? Oh, that didn't. And they were true to their word. I will. We won't spoil it here, but they said it's not someone who's ever been Venom before, and they were right. Mm. Uh, and it is a pretty good. And I feel like the general uh, a, a general theme of this game is. They show you what's going on in the right hand so that you don't see the left coming to slap you in the face. In a good way. (laughs) Because Venom's a perfect example. And so this will be a slight spoiler. You know Venom's in the game. Did you know you're going to play as him? Smack. (laughs) And it's going to be fun as hell, and that's them coming back and smacking you with the back of their hand. (laughs) And 
Same with then once they get into the third act and things are getting crazy, there's some like kind of deep pools, yeah. kind of comic characters that I was like very pleasantly surprised to see them make an appearance. And I mean, and there is there is Venom earlier than that, too. That's what yes. got me. <laughs> yeah, right. Like uh, uh, when they reveal who Venom is, they do it almost so nonchalantly. You're just like. Uh, oh, <laughs> like that's okay. Yeah. Can I talk about maybe one uh, little setback I found in this game? Yeah. Seat unlocks. Maybe not as good. Maybe not as good. Hurts me to say, because that's a fun thing we all love to do. And they're still fun. And there's like color palette swaps you can do that are, are a really good time. But I do think that perhaps the suits were not as, uh, uh, I, I think I like the suits in Spider-Man 1 better. Um. And I think a big part of it is for me is uh, some of you all may remember when Spider-Man 1, they did a bunch of free DLC where they basically added in every suit from every various movie. Uh, Those are now just unlockable suits in this game. And I understand why they did that, because for a lot of people, that's going to be very cool and exciting. And and I I totally get it. I think I'm probably in the minority when I say I thought there were too many movie suits in this game. That being said, I thought there were too many movie suits in this game. Uh, it was like eight, six to eight of the suit roster was various uh, uh, movies. What would you prefer? I honestly would have been fine with just some of the same ones from Spider-Man 1, just some of the ones that were the like uh, um, ones from comics or even just, I, I don't know. I, 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 like, I wouldn't have been mad if there was more of the same. I understand why they didn't want to do that, but. I was just kind of like, oh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 suit, cool. Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit, cool. Homecoming suit, okay. <laughs> like, these are, okay. Yeah, there, there's kind of a struggle with giving, being able to give Miles as many suits, though, because with so many less decades of, yeah. I'm willing to forgive them for the Miles stuff, because you're exactly right. There is less of a uh, a legacy to pull from. Um, so a lot of those, they kind of, I think they're just like original designs, which is, I mean, yeah, I, I get yeah. that. 100%. And now that you mention it, going back to the uh, the dawn of 3D Spidey games, uh, I, I, thinking about some of the some of the cool suits that were in like Spider-Man 2000 that gave you some special abilities, I guess didn't uh, didn't really see too many of those here. So that's, I mean, some of yeah. them, but but I'm I'm starting to remember how many of those are ones that were not here that they that they could have used ones that are more comic booky for better or worse. Yeah, right. Um, I also did think, uh, uh, and this is very, uh, the, I think the story of this game nails it. I think they totally stick the landing. There were just a couple moments where it kind of felt like they weren't sure exactly how to balance both Spider-Men. But that being said, it was really cool to see like this interpretation of the symbiote storyline with Miles present in Peter's life. Peter. That's right. She's helping. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 definitely nice to have someone out there other than uh, Lord Miller Productions trying to give Miles a voice and actually giving him a a good voice, a good character, a good personality, or a like a personality at all. So a and substantial it's, it, it's role in the cast. Yeah, and it's it's not it. I know this isn't really fair to say. It's not on the same level as Spider-Verse, but I'm just glad somebody's trying and 
it's still good. Yeah, it's still quite good. Yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think I think it worked really well in his game, and then maybe with Peter, with the implication that Peter's going to be taking a backseat in the future, maybe he can kind of be center stage a little more and have a little more to do. And it's it, the fact the fact is that they're yeah in his game in this game they are kind of giving him some original matters to deal with stuff that miles has never done before because there's there's nothing to draw from here <laughs> yeah and even his whole arc it, it ties in nicely with the second chance motif like the motif it's exemplified by you know his miles is having his redemption by basically ascending and becoming like uh, you know maybe even a better spider-man than peter which also is a compliment to Peter's mentorship mm-hmm. that like he learned from his mistakes in his training miles to be the best Spider-Man possible. But it also miles by his own merits kicks ass and is awesome. and is great. Yeah. This is a game we've established. We liked, I would like us to talk briefly about some of the, maybe something, and listen, a game this size, it's huge. There's a lot going on here. There's going to be some stuff that doesn't work completely. Caleb, you want to talk about the MJ missions? Um, what is in that stun gun? <laughs> Bullets. <laughs> I guess. So I will. I will come clean. I feel like I didn't hate the MJ stealth missions in the first Spider-Man game as much as maybe the general consensus. I feel like I just kind of breezed through them and didn't think about them again, and it is what it is. And this game, it feels like they doubled down on the the like uh, uh, the, the idea that MJ is going to be playable. But if they at least took the criticism to heart, Insomniac did, and, and wanted to make her parts more engaging. So what that looks like is you play, you're doing stealth missions again, but now MJ's got a gun and she's shooting people. And... I am all about giving her some agency, but it does feel a little weird for her to just easily take out these guys that have been like beating my ass as Spider-Man for the last 20 hours. I feel like it would just be more in line with her character to be like, I'd let like, okay, she's a reporter. Let her do reporting, right? Like, you know, those friendly neighborhood Spider-Man missions I said I liked? Just let her do those. Yeah. And she's like interviewing people on the ground and hearing how Spider-Man has like helped the community and writing a story on it. And then as the game progresses and Spider-Man is wearing the symbiote suit and being scary, that's reflected in the story she hears. Yeah. Like someone's like, yeah, Spider-Man came to help me, but he was like really intense and it kind of freaked me out. Yeah. I mean, I'm for that as well, because remember how I said I enjoyed the downtime despite being someone who normally hates that. It That would... Uh, you know, if you're going to be wandering around an amusement park, just dedicate some of that uh, more h- human activity space to Mary Jane, like you said, doing her yeah. job. And I mean, y- y- you know, there's this there's some weird obsession with making her uh, and Peter and Miles the spider trio. So but does she have to be like an action hero who's capable in the exact same way as them? It's like it, it's a lot right. like the current comics climate where everyone, including Mary Jane, has to be a superhero. Like right right now, she's <laughs> she's jackpot. 
I, I think she's the current jackpot. They got to figure out if you want to make MJ playable, that's fine. I'm not saying I have a problem with that, but you got to find a way to make her engaging. And I don't think combat is the thing because that's that's what I'm doing as Spider-Man. So yeah. let my t- playtime with MJ be something totally different. And as for stealth, I mean, they're why why are they why why are these trained hunters all have dampened senses and uh, ne- never look up when it when it comes to stealth? Like not just right. with MJ, but but they they get knocked out instantly, and and you can you can hit those drones. They're really noisy, but you, but you knock them out and no one notices. It's like if you're gonna have to have yeah. stealth in the game in general, I kind of think it should be better and. I don't. I don't know how how to improve that besides just not doing that, not doing it that way. I do. I do like the web line, but there could have been more more incentive to use it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the final uh, uh, charge I'll bring against Marvel Spider Man Two is uh, some of us may be may be familiar. You may remember how they redesigned. Uh, Peter Parker got uh, a facelift. He got facial reconstruction surgery. And he has a new face now. Um, they're not beating the Tom Holland allegations, especially in those flashback scenes. You will not convince me that there was not a directive from Odd High saying this is the style guide for Peter Parker. This is what he has to look like. And what he has to look like is a lot like what Tom Holland looks like. Because those scenes where you're playing as younger Peter in high school, that's Tom Holland. That's Tom Holland's face. Yeah, I've always called him Walmart Tom Holland, and the and it's actually someone pointed out that his his face in the original the PS4 version of the first game he kind of looked like Walmart Andrew Garfield. So has that always been the directive? <laughs> well, then maybe for Spider Man Three we'll get Walmart Toby Maguire and I'll be back on board. If they commit to making Peter Parker like a Time Lord and he just regenerates and has a different face in every game, I'll take it back. Yeah, and then they can re-release the older games with the new face. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And their reason for doing that was, I just didn't buy it because I understand. I don't know how you know. I, I making games is very rocky. There is no like, there's no certainty for the future in the industry as we've seen. But you're telling me as like one of Sony's flagship studios working with one of the most popular characters in the world, you didn't think you might get a sequel and just like want to have his face locked and loaded. I don't know. Who knows, right? We don't know. This is me just speculating at this point, but I didn't. My point is, I did not buy whatever excuse they were giving me as to why he looked different, except for the fact that he needs to look like Tom Holland. Um, Caleb, is there anything else you want to add? Um, this is this is the best Spider-Man game. It 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 is. Yes. There's. I'm not going to beat around the bush there. So, would you recommend Spider-Man Two? I would recommend this entire Spidey saga. And this entry is the most spectacular one yet. Maybe from from maybe as far as PlayStation spectacles go altogether. I mean, you get to go uh, water skiing and you ride roller coasters and uh, you you, you get launched literally halfway across the city and, and you brush with the potential obliteration of getting atomized in a collider all in the same game. And 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 you're Spider-Man. Gotta and say, being atomized sounds you, you, pretty cool. Well, it's not cool if you get atomized, but the threat of getting atomized is kind of is kind of cool when you're when you're facing down a, a, a collider tunnel for sure. 
or 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 you know just swinging. That's that's like the really fun part. As soon as you can take control, you can swing, and it makes you so so happy to be alive. Yep, we all we all know it. We all know it. I'm why I'm tired of not. I'm tired of pretending otherwise. Wait, this is a swinger game. That's right. Guys, literally want one. There's the upside. The upside down pineapple skin was my favorite. On that note. Let's end the episode like we always do with a heated gaming moment. Michaela, we just talked about Spider-Man for a while. Let get in here, sister. Water's warm. My my heated gaming moment tonight is there is a show that I quite like that has re-entered my life recently. I began watching it anew with somebody that I have recently met and have been spending time with. We both really enjoyed it, and we especially enjoyed season two. That's right. My heated gaming moment today is Our Flag Means Death season two. And wow. Roman, I think I mentioned to you that I was going to watch this season, and I think you said you would probably watch it in tandem. Have you? Nope. All right. Well, then I'm not going to like share too many details because, oh, wow, it was really good. It was fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. I really like this show, and it's phenomenally good. If you haven't seen Our Flag Means Death and you like pirates, you like a little bit of whimsy, and you like good comedy, this is the show for you. Also, if you're queer, it's got genuinely good representation. And there isn't a thing that I can really think of about this show that I dislike at this moment. So with that, on to you. Caleb, what's your heated gaming moment? Well, you already talked about Spider-Man Life Story. And uh, I think I think I'm just going to make a blanket recommendation for uh, Chip Zdarsky as an author because you know many years ago we had we had uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and then then we we had uh, we had John Byrne or well we didn't have them but our our folks had them and then and then after that I'd say Mark Wade and now we have the current king of comics Chip Chip Zdarsky. Got got his start. His his breakout hit, um, I would say, was Sex Criminals, which he hilariously illustrated with uh, Matt Fraction, his secret lover. Uh, that one's a lot of fun if you can handle the subject matter. And also uh, Batman: The Night, a ten issue prequel about what Bruce Wayne did in all these years. He traveled the world training before he was Batman. And before Roman's head explodes, yes, his run on Daredevil was the greatest. That, yeah, sorry, like I was getting that, that nose. That is really. over, and uh, uh, go go read it if you like Daredevil. Go read the night Character if you defining. like Batman. Uh, Character defining Daredevil work, and and yes, and yes, Spider Man life story. I wanted to give a special acknowledgement to that because I read that uh, right before I Spider Man Two released, I think, and. When it, this has never happened before. When I finished it, I hugged the book to my chest and I cried. Awesome. Hell That's yeah. my Comics, recommendation. 
it's really good, folks. Seriously, I can't recommend it enough. And it's 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 cool that it's like a self-contained graphic novel. Yeah, uh, that's not my heated gaming moment, but I second that. Uh, my heated gaming moment is speaking of television shows and Matt Fraction. Uh, I have been watching on Apple TV a show called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. We talked about Godzilla earlier. This is a show set in the legendary universe. It is um, set a year after Godzilla 2014, but before King of the Monsters. And it's co-created by Matt Fraction. Uh, And also notably, it stars Kurt Russell uh, and his son, Wyatt Russell, plays his character in the past. So there's like a two timeline thing going on. And I have been very much enjoying it. It is, I think, probably from a story standpoint, maybe my favorite entry in the Legendary Universe because it is, uh, it's it's quite good. It's a good little thriller show about just basically these kids that are uh, looking for their father that was presumed dead. And Kurt Russell has a long career with Monarch, and he helps them because he knows Monarch is shady and can't be trusted. Um, and I think it's very effective at uh, like the characters are pretty interesting. It's pretty effective at knitting together this this relatively small grounded drama, but that's uh, uh, smart for a TV show because obviously they do not have the money to uh, have it be Godzilla fights every episode. And I also quite enjoy. The portrayal of Godzilla because uh, the main character was in San Francisco and what the universe calls G-Day. And so you see from her point of view how Godzilla is terrifying and she is left horribly shaken by her ordeal. And as we talked about earlier, so much of these movies focus on Godzilla as a hero. But if you were on the street when Godzilla stomped through, you would be scared too. Uh, so it's called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. It's on Apple TV. If you have a way to watch it, you should. Did not know about this. Glad I always have my Apple TV correspondent, Roman Butel. That's right. I'm happy to fill that role. Well, that's all I got. You two got anything else? Play Spider-Man 2. You'll, you'll love it. You just will. Watch Godzilla Minus One. You'll love it. And keep listening to Surprise Mechanics. You'll love it. Caleb, thank you so much for coming back. Really appreciate it. That's just all mine. <laughs>